This is your boy, Kenny Lewis, and guess what? I'm here with my boy, Michael Finkley, on Roku TV and YouTube. He'll always win. Why? Because he's undefeated. If I can make it through the Show. Thanks for joining us today. Now, I always remember my grandmother, I called her Ma, I always remember Ma telling me that I was born a man, I die a man. I didn't know what she quite meant until I actually became of age as a black male in society today, realizing my true power as a black male. Now, on last year, you saw a lot of negative things with dealing with black males. Exhibit A dealing with George Floyd and the injustice against us and all that entails. But I'm telling you that it's not all negative. There are some positive black males doing some incredible things in the world today. And we have two of them with us. We have motivational speaker, Brad Butler II, and also Missouri's Teacher of the Year, Darion Cockrell with us. So don't you go away. They have incredible stories that you need to hear. Back in a moment. Coming up, Brad Butler II, back in a moment. On the next Michael Finkley. From all that to all life, Angelique Bates tells us about her experiences in the industry and how she's still paving the way for future entertainers. Monday. everybody this is jason claiborne gospel recording artist and you're watching the michael finkley show on roku and youtube hey everybody my name is arthur vernon r matthews jr i just wrote a new book called family ties and i also want to say a special shout out to one of the kids that i mentored and has got his own tv show on roku michael finkley and this is 100th episode so if you guys want to really hear about this book and see what's going on check out mike finkley on the finkley show Everybody, welcome back to the Michael Finkley Show. Y'all, my next guest sitting right beside me, he's a speaker, he's an author, he's an entrepreneur, and he reminds us that to make your next day your best day. Y'all, he is Brad Butler II. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, it's definitely an honor and a privilege. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So let's go back to New Jersey, right, where it all began for you. You had some challenges growing mm -hmm. up, um, including drugs, gr drug usage, poverty, violence. You were in special needs classes at the age of 10 years old. How does one make it through all of that, especially growing up as a, as a young child? Um, the way that you make it through all of that is <sighs> belief. I, I believe it starts with that. You gotta have some type of belief that you are capable of doing more, uh, that you're not limited to the labels that people place on you. And 
uh, having a, a support group. You know, I was thankful that I, I'm thankful that I had my mother, my father, my sister, uh, you know, my grandparents that were surrounding me. And then once they saw that I believed in myself, once they saw that I wasn't ready to settle and I kept asking questions, I kept poking the bear, right? They, they said, okay, if he's going to keep working as hard, if he's going to keep trying and keep pushing, let me, let me at least do my part and see what I can do. And maybe I might not be able to do much, but if I can give him a little bit of something that helps him in his journey, then who knows how far to take him. And any little bit of, you know, assistance that my family was able to give me or encouragement that they were able to give me, um, you know, that light that they were able to shine. I took it and I ran with it. You know, the, the, the expression is you give somebody a, a piece of rope, what they want to do, mess around, be a cowboy. So I, I was like, listen, I, I got to take whatever is given to me and make the most of it. Like legitimately, that whole saying about, uh, you know, you take lemons and turn it into lemonade. I was like, yeah, well, I was taking lemons, turning into lemonade and selling it because I was trying to I was trying to get as much out of life as I possibly could because I just felt like I was kind of giving the short end of the stick in the beginning as far as certain things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh my word. Oh my word. I love it. I love it. But you made it through. You Absolutely. made it through. And who are some of the major influences again to, to push you and encourage you along the way? Uh, the major influences gotta be, have got to be my mother and my father, you know, seeing all that they went through. Like when you, you talked about earlier with there being drug use within the family, uh, my mother and my father, they were, uh, to say it in the nicest way possible, my mother and my father were professional urban pharmacists. Okay. So they, uh, they own belongs on the resume. Right. <laughs> right. They, uh, they ran three blocks in Jersey city, three entire blocks. And, you know, when they, they got out of the drug game, my, uh, you know, it's only two ways out. Either you go to jail or you get, you know, you, you, unfortunately you get killed. And I was thankful in the sense that my father uh, was incarcerated. So he did his bid and came out and he went on straight and narrow, um, nine to five job, my mom, nine to five job doing their thing. But it caused some stress because they were used to making a whole bunch of money hand over fist. And now they're waiting every two weeks to get a check. That ain't that much. So they were struggling. And because of that stress, it led them into an addiction. So they became heroin addicts. And so they struggled with that. But um, my parents are very strong willed, you know, my family in itself is very, very strong willed people. So uh, they fought back and said, Listen, we're not staying in this situation, we're gonna get out of this. And my mom decided to go to the NA meetings, my father beat his addiction cold turkey. And you know, they, they beat that thing. And they're still with us to this day, you know, to God be the glory for that. And, you know, that just kind of was the, the thing that kind of propelled us and, you know, kept us moving forward. It's like, OK, uh, we beat that. So now it's just one step at a time. Where can we go from here? You know, and that's kind of what kind of put things in motion for us. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that, that willingness that you speak of, it brought you to the point of finding your voice. When did you find your voice? Uh, I'll say I, I officially found my voice like when it really, really clicked for me. Like I knew I had a gift for speaking. Like I didn't have stage fright. Like people get nervous and scared to get on stage. And I never did. I never had a problem with it. Like, what you want me to dance? What you want me to sing? What you, what you want me to do? I'm cool with it, whatever. And want me to act, whatever. I can do whatever. And I never thought much of it, mm -hmm. but it was a struggle for other people. And I didn't know that they would that it was a gift. I just thought. It was just something that I was able to do. It was like, I didn't see a big deal about it. But I remember I, um, I, I, I listened to my mother 
um, well, prior to that, I actually took a public speaking class and uh, Miss Kathy Pelosi, she just recently passed away. And I went to uh, the uh, celebration of her life that you just had yesterday. Um, and she had a class, a public speaking class. And when I came in there, she said, Brad, I want you to, you know, write down, you know, what you love the most, you know, and then come in and do a presentation. So I said, all right, cool. So I wrote it out, whatever. And I came in the next day with some note cards and stuff. And I started reading and I'm reading and reading. And I'm looking down, looking up, looking down, looking up, trying to, you know, make eye contact with people while I'm reading. And like halfway through it, I was just like, I can't do this. And I just threw the cards, threw them on the floor. And I just started talking. I said, listen, I'm from Jersey City and this, this and that. And this is what I'm in. And, and she was like, wait a minute. She said, Brad, don't you ever do that again? I was like, I, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I, I like I, I know I shouldn't have threw the cards all dramatic and stuff like that. And, you know, probably ruined the whole presentation. She said, no, not that. She said, Brad, don't you ever read from note cards again? <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> she said, Brad, you got a gift. She's like, you don't even realize it. You got a oh, gift for speaking. Oh. She said, she said, I know she, she said it to the class. She said, I know I told all of you in this class that you had to put your notes on note cards or on a paper or whatever you had to read from it. She said, but Brad, I'm telling you right now, you will never in this class ever read from note cards or paper again. Anything that you have to say, any presentation that you give, you are going to give it from your heart because you have a gift for speaking. Like that is where your talent shines. Like that is where the passion comes from. So from that point on, I said, I will never ever write a presentation write a speech i don't care what the like the the teachers say they say oh well didn't you write no and i'm not gonna write it down i might do a powerpoint and put some uh like a little saying or quote up there that's about all you're gonna get because everything's coming from the heart that's that's when i kind of was like okay i gotta get for this second situation was when my mom let me hear the presentation that she did for the na meetings they were you they were basically using my mom as like a spokesperson to encourage and motivate the other people that were addicts that were recovering and my mom would tell her story and she had it recorded and she let me listen to it and I said get that that gotta be in me that gotta be encoded in my DNA somewhere and that's kind of what you know the two specific things that stood out for me and I was like yep that's like confirmation I gotta start making this this thing work and find out what my voice is Gotcha. Wow. Oh, this is some good stuff. And not only do you have a heart to speak, but you're also an educator, educational consultant as well. And you specialize with student success, retention, increasing graduation rates of your clients in which you work. Where did these hot spots come from? Need. It, it just comes from the fact that these students need help in those areas. I'm not saying that the, the teachers and the educators aren't doing their job. They do a phenomenal job. That's not what I'm saying at all. When I come to the schools, I am not trying to teach these teachers how to teach. They went to school for that. They have an understanding of it. That's not me. What I do is I come in and I try to bridge the gap between the, the students and the educators so that for from the student standpoint, they're able to attach their dreams to the educational system and see how if they have lofty dreams of going to the NFL, the NBA, being a singer, a dancer, an actor, an actress, whatever it is that they might be, how they can tie their dream into their math class, how they can tie that into their English and history class, how they, they can tie that into social studies, how they can just tie that into all aspects of the classes that they're going to be taking because they're gonna need it in some way, shape or form. And as far as the educators, I'm trying to help them to understand that, listen, (laughs) 
predominantly most of the educators that you'll find in the school system are Caucasian females who do not come from the community that they are teaching in. And so, and that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. But what I am saying is let's take the time to make sure that we understand the culture that you're going to be around so that you don't do what most people do. And when they see something that they don't understand or that they're confused by, they automatically look at it as something that's negative. Because this person said, I ain't doing it instead of I'm not doing it. You automatically assume that, that, that they don't have a grasp of the American language, right? But that's not true. Sometimes that's just the word or the saying that they're most comfortable with using. Exactly. Yeah. My wife is very intelligent. Very. My wife is a scientist. So when she chooses to write things out and do the emails and do, like, when she chooses to do it, she does. But when she's at home with me, or we are around close friends and family, mm -hmm. she may not use the, uh, the, you know, the queen's English, right? right. She might say ain't, she might say y'all. Yes, but it doesn't yes, mean sir. that she's not intelligent. But if you exactly. don't take the time to get to know people, where they come from, their culture, you know, with us being, you know, African-American, African, -American, African uh, descent, we tend to raise our voice and have a little more passion in our voice, but we're not yelling at you. Yeah. We're not yelling at you. That's just the way that we speak. Whereas other cultures, they might not speak as loud. That would be looked at as something that's frowned upon to be that loud, you know, in a conversation. All understandable. N none of those are better than the other. Neither one is right or wrong. It's just different. So if we understand the differences, then we know how to adapt to each circumstance. We know how to adapt to each, each person, which is why I tell everybody it's really important for them to uh, just, just to go out and seek information and knowledge, right? One of the things that I did was I went out and I got certified in William, William Marston's disc assessment, right? So I can understand the four different personality traits. I haven't had an argument with anybody in years because as soon as they come to me with a certain type of energy, I know how to communicate with it. Exactly. That's it. That's all it is. You mad? Cool. I'm probably going to lower the tone of my voice. All, you like you at 10. I'm probably going to take it down to three because you're going to keep yelling at 10. You're going to get exhausted. And I'm still speaking at three and it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Like, oh, wait, maybe it is me. Why am I yelling? Why am I yelling? Mm -hmm. You don't need to yell, bro. I'm right here. I'm not mad at you. Like we can still let whatever is going wrong. We can talk about it. But I can't be on the same level with, with you because what that's going to turn into is a shouting match. And when you got one person that's yelling, the other person yelling, it can probably turn into something violent because somebody is going to try to beat the other person. It's just one up. They're just trying to one up each other. Exactly. Exactly. Definitely. And as you were talking, I could just see the passion that you have for this industry and in which you are a part of show through your words, as you stated before. And I'm sure that this shows within your book as well, Pain passion and purpose please tell us about it um so the book pain passion purpose it's it's just about my life right me growing up and my experiences uh the things that led me to become the man that i am today to go on the path of being a motivational speaker and uh somehow i had this crazy idea when i was writing the book that i would uh introduce my mother, my father, my sister, my grandmother introduce those characters in the beginning chapters. And then while I'm introducing those chapters, I'm also, I'm sorry, those characters, I'm also getting older. So I don't know exactly how I ended up put, piecing it together that way, but I did. I wrote the book in two weeks, published it in less than six months. 
And it, it just, it was like, almost like it was ordained to happen. It just had to happen. So uh, shout out to my guy, uh, Sean Blanchard. So he, he's the one who taught me how to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I just immediately implemented the uh, information that he asked me uh, to do. And, and that's what, uh, what turned out. And I remember writing that book while I was writing, while I was working overnight uh, doing security, just laying on the uh you know the empty you know office floors because i would go in the office and have my laptop and i'll be laying on the floor and i'll be typing because i didn't want anyone to walk by and see me or anything like that after i did my tours so i shut off the lights and i just sit in a, a dark room and i just lay on the floor and i type on you know you know, you, you know it, it's just you think you look back and you think about how far you've come and it's just like wow okay i get it i get it, it was all worth it exactly exactly worth it for our now and so as you continue to pursue your passions, pursue your purpose, what do you want your legacy to look like? Man, uh, my legacy, honestly, it, I just want it to be where the people who, the, the ancestors, I mean, I guess I would say the family members that will come after me, I just want them to know that wherever it is that you start, you know, that doesn't have to be the ending point for you. You know, you look at my, my mother and my father, you look at myself, like if you're last, like if you got Butler in your name, at, yeah, listen, chances are you didn't dealt with some serious adversity that was supposed to break the average person. It's just is what it is. That's just what our family goes through. It's just it, we just got dealt those cards. But for some reason, somehow we all find a way to just make something out of it. Um, can't explain it to you. It, it, we're, it's just almost like our family is just destined to deal with a struggle, some type of struggle. But it, it's almost like God blessed us in the sense where it's like, I'm going to give you these struggles so that if you listen to me and follow the path that I put you on properly, what will end up happening is you'll be in a situation where you won't really be able to wholeheartedly and like explain and reverse engineer the the success in in a sense. Mm-hmm. You'll only be able to give me the glory. Mm. The only thing you'll be able to say is I mm. got to this point and I don't know what happened, but I did all that I could and God took over. He t- he did the rest. Mm. That's it. That's mm. it. Because I can't tell you how I got here besides the work that I, as a man, as a human being did. But yeah. there were certain people who intervened. There were certain situations that happened. I was just like, where you come from? Where that, how that, where does money come from? How that, how my wife just appear out of nowhere? Perfect for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like just crazy stuff that you just, things you can't explain, yeah. which is why I'm, 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 I'm a believer. Yeah. And it shows, it shows, it shows. How can they find you on social media? Oh uh, man, the best way to find me, if you, if you want to book me for any of the speaking engagements, any events that you have going on, it's www.bradbutler2.com, www.bradbutler2.com brad butler the number two.com all social media platforms is brad butler the second brad butler the second all right you heard it here brad thank you for being with us sharing your story through your wisdom and your knowledge thank you so much uh, thank you for having me welcome back in a moment next missouri's teacher of the year darion cockerell is with us back in a moment 
what's up, y'all? It's Bill Whitehold Jr. with Dan Chef Talk, and you're watching the Michael Pinkley Show on Roku TV and YouTube, baby. She is a flexible and she is a multitasker. She is a wife, a mom, she is city councilwoman. She, yeah. When I was growing up, mom worked outside the house, and so my dad was an entrepreneur. I saw him leaving early in the morning or late at nights to go meet with clients, and he was always one who told me, you know, if you show up on time, you're late. I just admire how she's able to not only juggle the demands of her jobs, but keep her family really first. The outstanding thing about the Isaac family is their noble contributions to improving the quality of life for our Colombians and people all over this state. Aye. Aye, Tamika Isaac. Do Solomon swear. Discharge the duties thereof. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations and blessings. I first ran because I saw a need, I saw a void that needed to be filled, a voice uh, that wasn't there. And over the last several years, I feel like I've been able to be that voice. So often as women in whatever spaces that we're in, um, we are often discounted because we're a mom or we're a wife or we have this career. And she's an everyday woman who shows women what excellence looks like. She has walked the walk of being a small business person, of being a parent, of sending her kids to school. Columbia is a great place, and we have done a lot in the last few years as far as law enforcement. But law enforcement can't do everything, nor should it do everything. We have to really expand upon the tools, technology, and community policing, investing in our communities uh, so that law enforcement is a partner with our communities. Being a Columbia native, I've seen the way this city has grown. It's grown to the point that sometimes not everybody's been a part of that growth. I want to make sure that communities, specifically communities of color, make sure that they are part of Columbia's present and its future. I want to have a climate plan for this city that not only helps us be sustainable, but also helps provide opportunities for folks in the workforce. There are so many opportunities to take advantage of technology, uh, green energy. I want to be the advocate for growing our city and being on the forefront, not just looking at what other cities are doing and following them, but being the leader. If you don't have the right leadership, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. I think having a woman as mayor of the city of Columbia is long overdue. I'm Tamika Isaac Devine, and I'm running for mayor of the city of Columbia. Need a little motivation. Timothy Clifton is with us every week on Mondays to get your week started with a little motivation. All here on the Michael Finkley Show. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Michael Finkley Show. Now, y'all, I'm so excited to talk to our next guest because y'all know how I feel about education, right? He is Missouri's Teacher of the Year 2021, Darion. Cockrell. There we are. Thank you for being with us today. Ooh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. 
you're very welcome, sir. You're doing some incredible things. I love educators. I am still an educator myself, transitioning from the classroom as an English teacher now to a high school counselor. But we're going to get into that story because I know that your counselor made a difference in your life. I was watching one of your former interviews and you said that you were born to fail. What did you mean by that? Uh, I felt like, you know, unfortunately, similar to a lot of black males born in the inner cities uh, of St. Louis, especially, I had nothing going for me. You know, I was born to a drug addicted mom. My dad was already out of the picture. I had no resources or opportunity in my community. So I just felt like when I was born, there was nothing there in a positive light that was going to allow me to come out of the stuff that I was going through. Like I had nothing. Wow. Wow. Even as a gang member, you were bounced around from foster home to foster home. But in that light, there's always light at the end of a tunnel. You had a school counselor that made a difference in your life. Please talk about that. Oh, man. Maureen Haneke, uh, my sixth grade counselor, the most amazing lady ever. Uh, she just had a heart of gold, man. And, you know, she had just love for all kids, but especially just kids like me, because she knew the situation that we were coming from. And she just wanted to make sure, like you said, she was that guy in life to kind of help steer us in the right direction and show us that there's more to life than what you guys were going through. And she knew that for us, for kids like me, even though that we weren't as focused on our grades and stuff, the thing that was going to allow us to focus more on our grades was sports. So she created a basketball team. And this was a lady that not only did she create the basketball team, she was the coach, but she sold our jerseys. She made our jerseys for us. She drove us to our games. She took us out to eat. She did everything that she could possibly to get a hold of us to make sure that we were successful as kids. And she took it one step farther when the state wanted to come and take me away from my family and my school. And she went to court on my, on my behalf and fought for me to keep me in St. Louis so I could keep uh, so I could stay at that school with that foundation and to continue to grow, man. Amazing. And my pastor preached on this um, a few Sundays ago. He said the power of one. It's amazing what one person can do for you to save your life, to see that better. Because if she saw something in you, you probably didn't see in yourself at that time. And it's just amazing to see the aftermath of it now. We, we trust the process. The process is for us, but the results are for everyone else. And so as life went on, you changed your life around dramatically and you found the safe haven of the career of education. Why education? You know, education just has, it's been so good to me. And education was the thing that helped me realize there was more to life than what I was used to. And I think, you know, a part of me just wanted to pay it forward. You know, if so many, if educators can come into my life and help me see the other things that this world offers, I wanted to make sure that I provided that for other students as well. And I think I'm trying to continue to do that. Uh, no, sir, you're not trying, you're doing you are doing it, and you're doing it well, sir. You're Missouri's Teacher of the Year 2021, and your life, I can say, because I've been watching you, I see your life has changed. You've been on Terman Hall. You've been on CBS um, This Morning, um, ABC News, you know, Good Morning America. How has your life changed, and how are you using these different platforms to get the message across to education to the masses? Um, I think my life has changed because it's just opened me up to so many other opportunities and so many new things, you know, prior to this whole situation, you know, I was just teaching because I love it. And I continue to teach because I love it. I love my students. I love the impacts that I make in my school. And I love the way that I bring the community and the schools together. But with this platform, it's allowed me 
to meet so many other people and so many other people like me. And it's also making me realize that prior to winning Missouri Teacher of the Year, I didn't realize that there were other resources in other communities that kind of help celebrate and uplift people in my position, Black men who are educators, Black women who are educators. And I think continuing with my platform, I want to make sure that I extend that invitation out to other Black educators and show them that there's a, a, a lot of us out here. It's only 2%. But we're all working together to make sure that we can get more than two percent within this community, and that we continue to show the world that you know black educators are important. Uh, we mean a lot to our students, and we want to change that whole narrative. Oh wow, you're 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 assisting that process, sir. DC, <laughs> Mr. DC, you're assisting in that process. Uh, you had an encounter with Chance the Rapper as well throughout this experience. Talk about that, because that's he's he's one of my favorites. Talk about Bro, that. Bro, so. That whole situation was just crazy. So the way it worked was, I was actually at the park with my family and my uh -huh. crew, uh, shout out to Jody Oliver. Uh, Jody, uh, she called me, she said, DC, uh, do you know who Chance the Rapper is? I'm like, yes, I know who Chance the Rapper is. Do you know who Chance uh -huh. the Rapper is? And she was like, yeah, well, he nominates you for an award. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, how does he even know who I am? And I guess through the stuff that I was doing with my students uh, during the pandemic, making fun videos, kind of continue to keep them engaged and keep them motivated, especially mentally, because I think there was a time when no one knew what was going on. Everyone was worried. Everyone was scared. And I just wanted to make sure that I was continuing to motivate my students and just keep them going in life. You know what I mean? With something just to put a smile on their face. But I guess he got a hold of my videos and seeing what I was doing and he nominated me and nine other teachers around the country for the Twilight Award. And he gave me $15,000 cash uh, for myself, which my wife took right away. And then he also, <laughs> and then he also gave me another $15,000 that I was able to use uh, within my school district. I kind of shared the wealth with the other PE teachers in my district. So yeah, it, was, it was an amazing experience. He's an awesome dude. And I love how you advocate for teachers and educators all over the country. I love it. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. And again, not only you are you're a teacher, you're also a father. So being exactly. coming from a fatherless household as a fatherless child to being a father, what are your feelings? What do you want your your son to actually know about you as he continues to grow up in this world? Uh, man, I just want my son to know that uh, I'm a hardworking, loving, caring, enthusiastic go-getter. You know, I want him to know growing up that despite, you know, my shortcomings, despite all the stuff that I went through in life, and despite any kind of hurdles that he's going to have in his life, because he's going to have challenges too, that he's strong enough to get through those because I got through those. And I'm going to be here to help him every step of the way, unlike, you know, the circumstances that happened with me, I didn't have a father to help me throughout the, all of this stuff. So one thing that I try to make sure that he knows every day is that I love him and that we're in this together no matter what. All right. I love that. Oh, my word. Yes. Yes. Huh. Does education still matter? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Education matters more than anything. Just, and as, as you're answering that, say it louder so everyone can hear that, please. Thank you so much. Education matters more than anything. It is. It is the ship that's going to allow you to go all over the world. Like, I think throughout my life, I was always trying to be something that God didn't have planned for me. And I thought I had to be this in order to get seen, to be heard, to be appreciated. And until I just, you know, let go and let God just, you know, lead me to what my calling was, 
So many opportunities have come just from education. And you need to understand, I've only been in this game for seven years. You know, I've only been a teacher in my classroom. This will be my seventh year come August. So I'm still new to this. So the fact that I won this so early and I'm still so hungry and I just want to learn as much as I can so I can just better prepare our students, our future leaders for this world. Like, bro, education is amazing and it's really helped me change my life. And I'm hoping that it continues to do that for so many people around this world. Definitely. So what's next on your agenda? Man, so what's next is I got a few conferences. I got school coming up in August. I got a lot of things on my plate. I got some some big things in the work that I can't really talk about right now, but uh, people will know shortly. So I'm excited about it, man. All right. We're watching. We're watching, sir. We're watching. <laughs> educated to educated. We're watching, sir. We're yes. definitely watching. Are you excited for your kids to come back? We know oh that my God. COVID I'm so excited did for us my in. I'm so excited for them to come back. Uh, I just can't wait to see their smiling faces. I just can't wait to just be in that gym and just be in that, you know, back in my in my zone. You know, it's one thing because as educators, leading, you know, towards the end of summer and school's coming back around, there's a part of our brain that's like, okay, here we go again. Let me, you know, strap on the seatbelt. But it's like, once you get into that classroom, it's like your brain, it turns into something else. You're in your zone and all that, you know, kind of um, that stress or maybe that nervousness goes out of the window. And it's just like, we're in here. Let's do it, y'all. Let's do it. Let's grow. Let's build. That's it. I love it. I love it. Well said. How can they find you on social media? Um, oh, my Lord, Jesus. Uh, Mr. Crestfit 2021. Hashtag Mr. Crestfit 2021. You will find me. All right. All right. We're looking. Thank you so much, Darion, for being with us and telling your story. Again, congratulations. And again, everything that comes to you, you deserve it. So just embrace it. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. God yes, bless. Sir. You're welcome. Back in a moment. Hey, what's up? It's Presley Tennant from The Voice, and you're watching The Michael Finkley Show on Roku and YouTube. Calling all trio, gear up, jag, and other college readiness organizations. Hello everybody, it's Finkley with the Finkley Experience. I am here to offer you information about our College Readiness Cohort Series. This College Readiness Series includes college applications, SAT, ACT prep, scholarships, financial aid, the mental mind state, HBCU versus PWI versus technical colleges, and so much more. You know this is helpful because it's actually like making me change my college plan. Really? If interested, visit our website, thefinkleyexperience.com, or just email us at michael at thefinkleyexperience.com. We're looking forward to working with you. On the next Michael Finkley, from all that to all life, Angelique Bates tells us about her experiences in the industry and how she's still paving the way for future entertainers. Monday.
everybody, welcome back. I do hope that you learned something from our guests today, Darion and Brad. Thank you so much for being on and sharing your experiences and your wisdom and your words. We really appreciate you. On the next, Michael Finkley, you may remember this guest from All That, the original cast of All That on Nickelodeon way back when, right? There's a reboot current day. But the original cast member, Angelique Bakes, is with us, and she talks to us about things that she experienced in the industry and how she is continually paving the way forward for others. It's another show you don't want to miss. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Michael Finkley Show. Ring the bell for notification. We'll see an email saying, hey, new content uploaded. Please listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and visit our website, michaelfinkleyshow.com as well. But you have that Roku TV, right? Add the Greater Worst Network to it and watch The Michael Finkley Show every Monday and Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or on demand. Thank you so much for watching and guess what? We'll see you next time. Have a good one.